Welcome to The Open Word, the online teaching ministry of Pastor David Landry on today's episode. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. Prejudice is actually a pretty stupid thing because prejudice, it makes fools out of the wise and it really and truly sucks the very life out of the living. If you walk in this world with prejudice against anyone, you are limiting yourself to be used by God. You're cutting that opportunity that God would love to be able to work and move in your life. You're cutting that away because you're holding on to something that is actually very very foolish. Join Pastor David today as he discusses how prejudice keeps you from wholeheartedly serving God. When you're judging other people, you may be unwilling to serve them. For example, the prophet Jonah was called by God to send an important message of repentance to the Ninevites, who were despised because of their immorality and fierce ways. Eventually, Jonah relented, but his heart was never in it. God's desire is that we live free of prejudice in order to love and serve all people for Christ. And here's Pastor David in the book of Acts chapter 22 as he begins his message, The Call to Rome. people in the earth, you and I as believers in Jesus Christ ought to be thankful. We ought to wake up in the morning in the midst of our aches and pains, in the midst of the the stresses that we know are going to be there that day, in the midst of all the battles that might be raging on every side, above all people, we ought to be thankful. Rather we have a lot, rather we have a little, rather we are blessed beyond our imagination, or rather we are struggling every day to make ends meet. We, if we have Christ in our life, ought to be a thankful people. You know, some people might think that when I come to Christ, all my troubles will be gone away. I mean, from there, once, once I pray to receive Christ, man, my, my spouse is going to become a, uh, a better spouse. My kids are going to start behaving. Uh, I'll get a raise at my job. My health will be perfect. Isn't that the way it is when you come to Christ? <laughs> Not at all, is it? The reality is, is we still have struggles in the world. We still have issues in the world that we have to deal with. The enemy of our souls is still trying to come and, and destroy our, our very lives, destroy our, take away our joy, uh, take away our witness, take away our peace. Everything that the enemy can do, he will try to do in our lives. He's always done it, and he always will. And beloved, the enemy continues on. Oh, he uses still his same tricks. 
but he's still very active. We are in the book of Acts, and we are in uh, actually chapter 22. We're going to be finishing up chapter 22 and actually moving into chapter 23. Now, last week we had shared how Paul had uh, had this really great opportunity to be able to witness to the Jews there on the Temple Mount. Remember, they had come and they uh, the Jews had grabbed Paul because they thought that he had brought uh, non-believers into the temple proper. And they grabbed him and they pulled him out of the temple to what is known as the court of the Gentiles. Now there on the court of the Gentiles, they began to literally try to beat him to death. The fact is, is that when that happened, the Roman soldiers under Claudius Lucius, the, the Roman commander came down, they spread the mob, they, they stopped the mob, they grabbed a Paul uh, not knowing what was going on, why Paul had started such a such a uh, a riot at that point in time, and as they were taking Paul into the Antonio Fortress, the barracks of the Roman soldiers at that point in time, as they were taking him, Paul asked if he could stop and speak to the crowd of people, and again that that allowed him then to be able to to share with the Jews. Paul had given them, while he's standing there, still under Roman protection, while the Jews were still there, he begins giving them a bit of his testimony. We looked at this last week. If you look, actually, in chapter 22, in, in, in verse 4, we, we see how he had talked about he had been one who had persecuted the Christians even unto death, binding and delivering into the prisons both men and women, as also the high priest bears me witness and all the counsel of the elders, from whom I also received letters to the brethren. And I went to Damascus to bring in chains even those who were there to Jerusalem to be punished. So he has his opportunity to be able to share how the Lord Jesus then appeared to him, interrupted his life on the road to Damascus. And everything was going fine at that point in time. Everything was going fine until uh, he, he shares about the fact that God was going to send him to the Gentiles. Uh, let's pick it back up in verse 17. I know we looked at this last week, but let's get a running start here. Verse 17. Now it happened, Paul giving his testimony here, now it happened when I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple that I was in a trance and I saw him saying to me, and that him, we understand from the earlier part of his testimony, was the Lord Jesus. That I saw him saying to me, make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly for they will not receive your testimony concerning me. And so I said, Lord, they know that in every synagogue I imprison and I beat those who believe in you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I also was standing by consenting to his death and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. Verse 21, then he, the Lord, said to me, depart, for I will send you far from here to the Gentiles. Verse 22 is where it all changes. They, the Jews, listened to him until this word and when they raised their voices and said, away with such a fellow from the earth, for he's not fit to live. Now, here's where I want to bring in a little bit of clarity, a little bit better understanding. 
Last week, I joked about the fact that Paul was being politically incorrect as he speaking to the Jews, and he happens to mention the Gentiles. Well, actually, it's a little bit deeper than that. It's not just the fact that he mentioned the word Gentiles, but it really and truly, it's a, it's a little bit more of a deepening situation that the Jews have of what Paul is saying here at this point in time. Uh, Peter Lang, in his commentary on the book of Acts, uh, brings some insight from an American theologian of the 1800s, a fellow by the name of Dr. J.A. Alexander. Now, Alexander was fluent in over 30 languages. He was particularly fluent in Hebrew and Greek as a theologian, as a pastor, as a scholar. He brings out actually an interesting twist on this whole event right here. Uh, the rage wasn't because Paul said that he was going to the Gentiles. The rage was is why Paul was going to the Gentiles. Alexander writes this. He says, this word, and not the Gentiles, for it's not the last word in the Greek sentence. But it, the last part of Paul's discourse in which he undertook to justify his mission to the Gentiles on the ground of an express divine command. Now, what he's saying there is the Jews got upset because Paul was saying that the God of the Jews was telling him to take the gospel to the Gentiles. And that messed with their minds. Because why would the God of Jews worry about anyone else? After all, we're his people. We're the ones that he really loves. We're the ones that are under his hand, under his protection. They couldn't even fathom why the God of the Jews would tell another Jew to go and bring the gospel to these Gentiles. The very thought of that, that, that was more than they could cope with. And as I thought about that this week, I thought about the reality of prejudice. And prejudice is actually a pretty stupid thing because prejudice, it makes fools out of the wise and it really and truly sucks the very life out of the living. If you walk in this world with prejudice against anyone, you are limiting yourself to be used by God. You're cutting that opportunity that God would love to be able to work and move in your life. You're cutting that away because you're holding on to something that is actually very, very foolish. Along with this, I was uh, brought to mind a poem that was written way back in the 1900s. Uh, you guys remember the 1900s, yeah. It was written in 1960. It really didn't make popularity until uh, about the 1980s. Uh, but the, the name of the poem is The Cold Within. It was written by a fellow by the name of uh, James Patrick Kinney. Look and listen to the words and understand what he's saying here. In the poem The Cold Within, he writes, Six men trapped by happenstance in bleak and bitter cold. Each possessed a stick of wood, or so the story's told. Their dying fire in need of logs, the first man held his back. For of the faces round the fire, he noticed one was black. One man looking across the way saw one knot of his church and could not bring himself to give the fire his stick of birch. The third one sat in tattered clothes 
He gave his coat a hitch. Why should his log be put to use to warm the idle rich? The rich man, he just sat back and thought of the wealth he had in store and how to keep what he had earned from the lazy, shiftless poor. The black man's face bespoke revenge as the fire passed from his sight. For all he saw in his stick of wood was a chance to spite the white. The last man of his, this forlorn group did not accept for gain, giving only to those he gave. Who gave was how he played the game. The logs held tight in death's still hands was proof of human sin. They didn't die from the cold without. They died from the cold within. I can't imagine that being the heart and the attitude of any man that declares that he knows Christ. That there would be any kind of a prejudice, any kind of a separation, any kind of a dividing wall. And yet the reality is, is we still see that. We see that in our nation. Whether it be a political group, uh, 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 ethnicity, uh, economy, whatever it might be. Prejudice and division not only is dividing our nation, but beloved, it's dividing our churches. Whether it be a religious prejudice or prejudice against ethnicities or some kind of a cultural prejudice, we do damage to the truth of the gospel when we ourselves try to limit the power, the love, and the stretch of God's hand to a people or to a culture that we ourselves don't accept or perhaps we don't understand. My question at that point in time is, could it be that through prejudice, even as believers, that we take the Lord's name in vain? Oh, I would never take the Lord's name in vain. Maybe we do by our very actions. These Jews couldn't fathom that, that God would even care for or much less love the Gentiles. And certainly he would, he would never offer to them the same salvation that he offers uh, that would be equal to what they perceived that they had obtained simply because they were born as Jews. So Paul declares that God, the God of Israel, was sending him to the Gentiles with a message of the gospel, and these Jews then exploded. Look down in verse 23. Then as they cried out, they tore off their clothes and they threw dust up into the air. And the commander ordered him, ordered Paul to be brought into the barracks and said that he should be examined under scourging so that he, the commander, might know why they shouted so against him. So while they were on the Temple Mount, while Paul uh, was in the uh, constraints of the, the Roman soldiers at that point in time, there were no stones that they were going to be able to pick up to stone Paul. They, they didn't have that opportunity. But instead, they, they started to both take off and to shake their, their robes, just in absolute disgust and frustration about what was going on. They would yell, they would scream, they would scream, scoop up dust where they could on the rocky pavement there, the Temple Mount, throw it up in there, much like a child would throw a temper tantrum at the grocery store, okay? They're not getting what they want. They don't know how to handle it, and so they're just going to start making noise. <laughs> That's what was happening with the Jews here. 
they would have loved to have grabbed Paul and literally torn him apart. But Paul, again, at this point in time, was surrounded by the Roman soldiers. The Roman commander at this point in time, he had had enough. Because of the conversation Paul had with the Jews, because of their angered cries, all that had been going on had actually been in the language of, of Hebrew or Aramaic. Apparently, the commander didn't speak any of those languages. He still didn't know exactly what was going on. And so that's why, uh, again, he's going to try and find out why this conflict at this point in time is so intense. So he takes Paul, brings him into the barracks of the Antonio Fortress, and decides, well, let's just whip him, beat him with this cat of nine tails, scourge him until he tells us what's going on. I'm sure if he would have just asked Paul what's going on, Paul would have told him. I mean, the scourge, that, that instrument of uh, torture, again, that, that was used to bring out a full confession, you know, uh, bits of bone and bits of metal in that with a metal ball at the end of it to give it as much power and strength to be able to whip across the naked back of an individual that they were torturing. Many of them were long enough that you could actually put two hands on it like with a full swing like a baseball bat, bring that whip across the back of an individual and drag it apart. That's what they were getting ready to do to Paul. That's the same treatment that they gave our Jesus when he was arrested just prior to his crucifixion. The Romans, they were skilled in their craft. They had learned it from a lot of the nations that they had conquered. So as they bound Paul, verse 25, as they bound Paul or him with this leather straps, uh, Paul said to the centurion who stood by, is it lawful for you to scourge a man who is a Roman and uncondemned? So as they're tying Paul up here to the post, he just asks this simple question. Hey, is what you're doing lawful for me as a Roman? Can you really do that? And suddenly everything stopped at that moment. Everything stopped. The centurion in his mind that was overseeing this, this preparation of this whooping that they're going to give to Paul, suddenly in his mind he's thinking, Houston, we have a problem. There's a major issue that's going on here. Look at verse 26. Then the centurion heard that. He went, heard that Paul was a Roman soldier. He, he went and he told the commander saying, take care what you do for this man is a Roman. And then the commander came and said to him, tell me, are you a Roman? And Paul said, yes. And the commander answered, well, with a large sum, I obtained this citizenship. And Paul said, yeah, but... I was born a citizen. Then immediately, those who were about to examine him withdrew from him. You can see the visual on this part. Suddenly, Paul says, no, I was born a Roman. And so suddenly, no, I'm, I'm backing out of this. I don't want to have anything to do with this at this point in time. They withdrew from him, and the commander was also afraid. You catch this? The commander of the Roman legion there in Jerusalem was afraid. Why? Because he found out that Paul was a Roman and because he had ordered him to be bound up. Paul's claim to be a Roman citizen actually uh, suddenly dramatically changed everything. It was against the law, the law of Rome, for a citizen to be chained or beaten without a due process of some court hearing. For them to beat him to get a confession would have been a major crime against a Roman citizen. The punishment of that crime would have been for them, they themselves, to have placed upon themselves the same kind of a punishment. 
So the commander, he came out to find out if this was true. Are you really a Roman citizen? Paul says, yes, I am. The commander said, hey, it costs me a lot to become a Roman citizen. And Paul says, well, I was born a Roman citizen. The cultural status of the one that is born as a Roman citizen is actually greater than those who obtain their citizenship any other way. And so when Lysias declares that he spent a great sum in order to get his citizenry, then again, he is he, he's speaking actually of a, of a practice that went on during that time. You can actually buy your citizenry. If you weren't born a Roman citizen, you could actually become a Roman citizen through a few other ways. You could buy your citizenship. If you had enough finances, you could actually purchase your citizenship. Uh, you could also acquire it by way of a bribe. Some were able to do it. If they had some good dirt on you know, one of the officials, they, they could just some. hey, I'm not going to pay all that, but I know what you did last week. And so you could possibly get a citizenship at that point in time. There's no guarantee on your lifespan at that point in time, though, for that kind of a citizenship. But you could also acquire citizenship if, you, if you've done some kind of a great deed that honored the empire or in particularly the Caesar that's in charge at that point in time. Whatever the case, Lysias wasn't born as a citizen. He had to acquire it uh, either through his own cost or through some wealthy uh, benefactor for him. As a Roman citizen for Paul, the, the law stated that you could not be executed, beaten, tortured, or even put in prison without a public hearing. So Lysias and all of the company now, they're in danger of breaking this Roman law at that point. Look at verse 30. The next day, because Lysias, he wanted to know for certain why he, Paul, was accused by the Jews, Lysias released him from his bonds and commanded the chief priest and all their council to appear and brought Paul down and set him before them. Now, he set them before what we would understand to be the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin, again, uh, the highest court in all of Judaism, made up of 70 Jude Jewish men, most of them Sadducees, but there were also scribes and Pharisees that were there a part of the Sanhedrin also. Uh, the leader of the Sanhedrin at this point in time in history was Simon, who was the son of Gamaliel. We looked last week, Gamaliel, again, this great teacher, this honored teacher in all of Israel. His son, Simon, was now the head of the Sanhedrin. One of the things we know uh, historically and also through the scriptures is the Sadducees and the Pharisees, these two different sects, of Judaism, uh, they didn't agree on very much at all. They fought continually on a whole lot of issues. And now, yet, they've come together, just as they came together for the crucifixion of Christ, now they're coming together for this accusation uh, against Paul. Paul, who had been a former Pharisee of the Pharisees. Paul, who uh, no doubt knew many of these individuals that were in that court. Paul, who himself had been a persecutor of the Christians. Paul himself now coming, declaring that God was telling him to bring the hope of the gospel to the Gentiles. That's the only accusation that they have against him. And for them, that was all, that was just as bad as blasphemy. To say that God was telling him to go to the Gentiles who they avoided like the plague. 
We're so glad you could be with us today as we opened God's Word and dove into the goodness and truth the Bible contains. If you've missed any part of today's message in Acts, we encourage you to refer to our website, calvarycg.org. Once there, you can browse our library of audio as well as learn more about the ministry of the Open Word. We'd love to hear from you about how God's working in your life. Please give us a call at 520-836-9676. When you call, please let us know how we can be praying for you. Again, that's 520-836-9676. If you prefer accessing information through social media, visit our Facebook page and keep up to date with all that's happening at The Open Word. Just go to theopenword.com. You'll be directed right to our page. You'll be able to explore more of Pastor David's audio there as well. As our time comes to a close today, Pastor David has a quick word of encouragement to share with you. Hey, thanks, Chris. Any time you spend in God's Word is valuable, and I'd like to encourage you to do it as often as possible. By diving deeper into the Scripture and letting it saturate your heart and mind, you'll be ready to take on your day as well as be prepared when the enemy attacks. If you're not sure where to start, you can begin by reading today's passage again. Or simply let your Bible fall open. If your heart is open to the Holy Spirit's direction, you can't go wrong. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. And I hope you'll join me again next time on The Open Word. Make a small-